Right. So uh, tonight we're going to start the last topic that we need to look at. Um, and uh, everything, if you, you, because it took us so long to get to this point, it looks it, it doesn't look like it. But there was actually a, a method to my madness of what we were doing when we started outside of the universe and talking about an uncaused cause and how did cause how did where did things come from they they were caused but what caused them what caused things to be and that was an uncaused cause that we call god and that was just like really hard to get, even saying it still sounds weird i've said it like i've taught this like five times now uh and it does sound kind of bizarre but we started outside the universe, and then we stepped inside the universe. Like the the proof of God is because of cause, and then we stepped inside the universe. The proof proof of God is because of creation. Science showed that. We talked about uh, second law of thermodynamics, uh, universal background radiation, um, uh, Einstein's general relativity. I mean, science gives us evidence of the faith that we should have, right? And then we talked about design. Uh, and the fact that there was, you know, there's there's evidence of design. God is is proved out in the design of life. We looked at all of those things, and then we talked about bones, and we talked about fossils, and we talked about uh, um, whether man came from an ape, and all those kind of things. We did all of that, and um, and then last couple of weeks we talked about really close to home stuff, right? So we kind of started way out there, and we're working our way right down to your heart. Really, that's what we're doing. And so the last three weeks, we talked about morality and evil and suffering, right? Remember those? We talked about those. Those are really challenging discussions, right? And what that brings us up to, because everything about that brings us to this. And the question is, is Jesus a fact or a fiction, that's because what we're going to answer today, we're going to try to look at or today and next week, hopefully, we'll get done in two, two hopefully. Um, well, because I've got vision conference, so I'd like to be done. So, is Jesus real? That's what we're going to answer that question. Did he really resurrect? That's the second question we're going to try to answer in the next two, two times together. And the third question is, is he God? Because all that other stuff comes to the point here, what, what atheists are trying to do with their arguments about cause and their arguments about creation and their arguments about design and their arguments about fossil evidence and their arguments about evolutionary stuff, what they're trying to get to is the fact that Jesus doesn't exist, never did, never was, never is God. That's what they're trying to argue. And we're going to answer that question, these three questions, in the next couple of weeks, okay? So... It's common, really, to tell people, if you're a non-believer, it's common to say that the historical Jesus is, 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 um, is a one-of-a-kind person, right? He's just a unique individual. But listen to some of the things that we say about Jesus. This is what you hopefully believe. He's God in the flesh, right? That's something that we think, right? He, he, was, he, he uh, came by virgin birth. Which is a miraculous, unheard of event. Has never happened before. I don't care what the Virgin show on TV talks about, right? Was it Jane the Virgin or something like that? I don't even watch that because that's just a joke. Um, he, he was spoken of hundreds of years before his arrival. That's called prophecy. That's all throughout the Bible. There's over 300 prophecies of his, of his first coming. Um, he was both sacrifice and savior. 
He, he, his word had power to create life. Right? That would all the way now. That goes back to cause. How did it happen? Because he said so. That's how it happened. Uh, and he made unconditional promises to you and to me. Uh, and so, this guy named Timothy Freck and this other guy, Peter Gandy, they wrote this book called The Jesus Mysteries. And this is what they said. We have become, become convinced that the story of Jesus is not the biography of a historical Messiah, but a myth based on a perennial pagan story. Christianity was not new and unique, but actually a Jewish adaptation of ancient pagan mystery religions. You guys have all heard of the Greek and Roman mythological stories, right? Uh, well, we're going to look at some of them because, see, they'll, they'll point to those stories and say, you Christians took those stories from those false gods and you just adapted those stories to your story, so your story is just as false as their story. That is the argument we're going to look at today. Um, many many believers, though, really are very comfortable with all of the things that we looked at. Right? They, they, nobody has a problem with them as far as inside the church. But when we get outside the church, that's what we have to worry about. The fact is that many of the claims of Jesus that we make are regularly challenged. They're, they're constantly being challenged as not really being unique. So how do we respond? What do we do when somebody says, well, your, your Jesus story is a myth? He never existed. Okay, so I got a video I'm going to show you. This is about I don't know three or four minutes, maybe approximately. But but it's really because it really paints a picture. And then I will I will deal with everything that the video says. Broadly speaking, the story of Horus is as follows: Horus was born on December 25th of the Virgin Isis Mary. His birth was accompanied by a star in the east, which, in turn, three kings followed to locate and adorn a newborn savior. At the age of 12, he was a prodigal child teacher. At the age of 30, he was baptized by a figure known as Anup, and thus began his ministry. Horus had 12 disciples he traveled about with, performing miracles such as healing the sick and walking on water. Horus was known by many gestural names such as the Truth, the Light, God's Anointed Son, the Good Shepherd, the Lamb of God, and many others. After being betrayed by Typhon, Horus was crucified, buried for three days, and thus resurrected. These attributes of Horus, whether original or not, seem to permeate many cultures of the world, for many other gods have found to have the same general mythological structure. Attis of Phrygia, born of the Virgin Nana on December 25th, crucified, placed in the tomb, and after three days was resurrected. Krishna of India, born of the Virgin Devaki, with a star in the east, signaling his coming. He performed miracles with his disciples, and upon his death, was resurrected. Dionysus of Greece, born of a virgin on December 25th, was a traveling teacher who performed miracles, such as turning water into wine. He was referred to as the King of Kings, God's only begotten Son, the Alpha and Omega, and many others. And, upon his death, he was resurrected. Mithra of Persia, born of a virgin on December 25th. He had 12 disciples and performed miracles, and upon his death was buried for three days and thus resurrected. He was also referred to as the Truth, the Light, and many others. Interestingly, the sacred day of worship of Mithra was Sunday. The fact of the matter is, there are numerous saviors from different periods from all over the world which subscribe to these general characteristics. The question remains, why these attributes? Why the virgin birth on December 25th? 
Why dead for three days in the inevitable resurrection? Why twelve disciples or followers? To find out, let's examine the most recent of the solar messiahs. Jesus Christ was born of the Virgin Mary on December 25th in Bethlehem. His birth was announced by a star in the east, which three kings or magi followed to locate and adorn the new savior. He was a child teacher of 12. At the age of 30, he was baptized by John the Baptist, and thus began his ministry. Jesus had 12 disciples, which he traveled about with, performed miracles, such as healing the sick, walking on water, raising the dead. He was also known as the King of Kings, the Son of God, the Light of the World, the Alpha and Omega, the Lamb of God, and many, many others. After being betrayed by his disciple Judas and sold for 30 pieces of silver, he was crucified, placed in the tomb, and after three days was resurrected and ascended into heaven. Oh, I think that's it. Okay. All right. Wow. That's pretty impressive stuff, right? I mean, what are you going to do with all of that? If somebody were to come to you and say, well, look at all of these, because they find you, you, you can just do a search on Jesus myth stories, and you find all this kind of stuff all over. That actually is from a movie called Zeitgeist, um, which was produced, I think, about 15 years ago now. And it's just nothing but a mockery of Jesus Christ. That whole movie, this is like the introduction to the movie, and it's just like making a mockery of Jesus. Uh, and, and then they go on and they tell you how Jesus is not real and so on and so forth. So, so I want to deal with this because this is, per, this is predominant out there as much as, as uh, fossil evidence and all that kind of stuff. How do you deal with the mythological gods? What do you, what do, you do with us? Okay, so here's, here's the first one is Horus. That was one of the first ones that he talked about, right? That was the first one he brought up. Uh, no, that was Osiris. But Horus and Osiris, they all kind of go together. Jesus' birth, got to keep this in mind. Jesus' birth was, in fact, unique and nothing like these false gods. He was a completely... When you get the actual story, because, see, the way it was presented, it's actually false. Because when you start reading about Horus and Osiris and Mithras and Dionysus and all these guys, this is what you get. He is the hawk god. And, in fact, he, is born, he was born from two gods having been intimate inside their mother's womb, their mother was Horus, it was, or, or, well, I'm sorry, that, so there's two kinds of stories, basically. One of them is he was, they were, they, the Horus was born from two gods having an, being intimate inside their mother's womb, or Horus was born from Isis by knowing her brother or Osiris. It was incest. Okay, so our God was never Jesus Christ. The true God was never an incestuous affair. Uh, so that's the first thing we find out about that, uh, that he, he's called the hawk god for some because he's got a beak of a hawk. Uh, Osiris, uh, so Osiris, now notice Osiris is Isis's brother. So Osiris was born after an affair between two gods, Geb, the sky god, and Nut, the, the earth goddess. Appropriate name. Okay, so this guy had affair with his sister, and produce this guy. You see how sick this gets real fast? It just gets all weirded out and really, really ridiculous. Uh, Mithras, the video referred to Mithra with no S on the end of it, but Mithras is the same, was not a story available to the early Christians. Nobody even heard of Mithra during the time of Jesus Christ. But what they do know about him, the mythological story about him, is he was born out of a rock on the bank of a river under a sacred fig tree, and while, after he was born, he slayed a bull, castrated it, and then released the seed of creation. Okay, so think about this. There's a river 
a rock and a tree, but creation came out of the seed of a bull. That don't even make sense. Where'd the bull come from? Where'd the rock and the tree and the river come from? See how ridiculous those stories are when you actually look at the truth? Uh, One more. Dionysus was conceived of the god Zeus and a mortal woman. Okay, that's, you know, God and a woman. The woman was killed and Zeus put the fetus into his thigh till it could be born, giving it immortality. And that's just weird. I mean, I mean, see, the story of Jesus' birth is nowhere near like this, right? Just totally, completely wrong. Uh, and, okay, that's his birth. This is how we refute his birth. But we also can deal with the stories of the myth of his death as well. So Horus, this is how Horus died. He was stung by the scorpion Uat, which was sent, that should be the word sent, not set, was sent by Set, who is the uncle of Horus. So Horus's uncle had him assassinated by a scorpion. Osiris, there's two versions of his death. His brother Set, okay, that's the Set up there in the first one, tricked him into a coffin. It's like, go ahead, get in the coffin. You know how you do that to your brother when he's little, right? You know, like, go hide in the closet and you lock the door on him. You ever done that? You know, or, hey, go stand outside in the rain and you lock the door and they can't get back in. You ever done that? Okay, so... Set uh, did that to Osiris. He locked him in a coffin, sealing it shut, and then set it adrift on the Nile River, causing him to suffocate. Okay, now Jesus Christ didn't die like that, did he? That's pretty weird. He was tricked. Uh, or the other part of the other version of the story was that Set attacked him, cutting him into fourteen pieces, and then scattering the remains. You've heard that one, okay? All right, Mithras. There is no record of the death of Mithra. He was taken up or absorbed by the sun god Ra. That's pretty wild. All right, so, so, I have a question. Mm-hmm. So, um, when Jesus was around and his story was getting spread, were all these different stories about like the Egyptian gods already around? Some of them were, but like Mithras, as we said, there's no recorded death of him before that about his birth. Uh, that's the story of Mithras's birth didn't come about until after the death of Jesus Christ. So then, like some of the ones that were saying that he, uh, they were like born of a virgin and then they were resurrected after three days or whatever. How did like did they did someone like create those stories just out of randomness? Or? Yeah, because they're attacking the Lord Jesus Christ's birth. Well, I mean before before Jesus was around. Well. See, this is what the, the, the movie showed, portrayed it with false information. But then when you actually just do a quick internet search on this, because I don't, and when you do research on these things, you find out that the true story is, well, he's, Mithras didn't even die, according to this. But according to his video, Mithras did die. So the video was presenting false information about false gods. They're lying about lies. That's basically, okay, that makes sense? Okay. Thanks for helping me clear that up. Okay, and then Dionysus was attacked while gazing at himself in a mirror and cut into pieces while he, he, he I guess he was a shape changer, so he could change him. He, he was like, I'm a pretty good looking bull, and then, you know, somebody attacked him and cut him into pieces. It's just weird stuff. But it has nothing to do with the true stories of Jesus Christ that you find written in the, in the pages of Scripture. 
Okay, so let's talk about the historical Jesus sin. So that's the false stuff. So anybody comes up and says, uh, your, your, your Jesus is like all the other mythological gods, you can, your, the simple answer is, go check your facts. Okay, just tell them, go check your facts. Because your facts are wrong. Because probably what they did is they found that video on YouTube when they were sitting up doing something besides doing their homework, and they watch that dumb video, and then they come and say, oh, you, you're, you, you worship a mythological god. No, just say, you go check your facts. Okay, that's a simple thing. Don't even get into it, because I don't really need you to memorize all these stories about all these false gods. Just know that they're false, and when somebody attacks you with them, say, just go check your facts. Okay? But we do have historical information about Jesus Christ. He is not mythological. He did, in fact, exist in history. The thing about those mythological gods is that they never actually existed. They're just stories. This is not a story. This this man named Jesus literally lived in history just like you live presently. Okay? There is no difference between him living and you living. I mean, it was present. He was flesh and blood. People lived and saw and witnessed him. Okay, so we're going to talk about some of that. So, Bart Ehrman, he's an agnostic scholar. That means he's a, he teaches in a Christian university but he doesn't know if God really exists or not, which I find very disturbing. He says he, Jesus certainly existed, at least he admits that much, uh, as virtually every competent scholar of iniquity, Christian or non-Christian, agrees Jesus did exist. There was a man named Jesus who lived in Galilee, was born in Nazareth, and he lived 2,000 years ago. Okay, that's just, everybody agrees. There is no controversy about that. No matter what scholar, historian, or anything, there is no controversy. Jesus Christ was a human being that lived on the earth, okay? So when somebody says he was a myth, he didn't exist, you tell them, go check your facts, because they're wrong too. Okay, non, okay, so there's, there's categories of people who, um, who we look at to know for sure that Jesus really existed. So I'm going to categorize them as as non-Christian and hostile or non-Christian and maybe not so hostile. So what do I mean by hostile? That means that they are actually saying, making claims that Jesus existed, but they were saying bad things about Jesus, okay? Um, so... Uh, the, the question that Jesus actually answered, asked, remember in Mark chapter, Mark chapter 8, verse 29, I think it's on your handout there, he said to them, he asked, he said, Whom say ye that I am? And Peter said unto them, Thou art the Christ. Okay, so, so you got to look at, I mean, who do you, so here's the thing, after everything that I've been teaching you for the last several months, who do you say Jesus is? This is where you've got to come to the conclusion of the matter in your own life. Not take your mom and dad's God. Not take your, your, uh, your high school class leader's God. Take, is, is Jesus really God to you? That's what you can, in the last, the next two weeks, this one and next week, I hope that you're going to come to an actual conclusion there. Okay. So, non-Christian historians who were hostile to the Jesus story. There, there's several. There's four guys. I'm just going to mention them quickly. The red, you can fill in the blank. So Tactus, he, he wrote history of Nero's burning of Rome in A.D. 115. Okay, so 115 years after the uh, death of Jesus Christ, he wrote about Nero burning the city of Rome and blaming the Christians, and in particular their originator, Christ. Okay, now, 
this guy is writing about a literal historical thing that occurred, right? The burning of Rome. And he said that the reason that Rome burned was because of the Christians. Because of this Jesus Christ guy and their followers. It's kind of like blaming Trump, Donald Trump, for the riots that take place in Kansas City ten days ago. Right? Okay, so they're going to blame Trump. He's their leader. That's, that's exactly what the situation is. Okay, Sitonis. Uh, he talks about Jesus Christ twice in his writings in the, in the year A.D. 120, speaking about Jesus Christ in a negative way. Uh, Pliny the Younger, that's what they would call him. I don't know why, because it was a Pliny the Older. I don't know. But Pliny the Younger wrote in A.D. 110, he wrote, he wrote letters to the emperor of Rome referring to his execution of Christians that he was going to execute more Christians if they don't stop following this Jesus guy. Sounds like ISIS today. right? So, Pliny the Younger, he's saying to the Roman Emperor, if these guys don't stop, I'm going to kill them all. Either they convert to the Roman gods, or I'm going to kill them. Kind of like ISIS. Uh, Celsus, the, th- the fourth one, a second century pagan philosopher, argued in his writings that Christ was the result of fornication between Mary and a Roman soldier named Panthera. Okay, so he's basically writing negatively that this guy was nothing but an, but an affair that went wrong and guy got a girl pregnant. Okay, so I bring all of these up to you because I want you to see that these, now these documents, Tactus and Sidonus and Pliny and Celsus, each one of these men, we have their writings in the museums. Their writings are available to us. We're not making this stuff up. You can actually, I don't know where, off the top of my head, I don't know where these guys are, where they're stored, but they're, they are in history museums someplace, and people can refer to these. That's why we know what they said. Historical documents. Okay? Uh, okay, those are hostile guys. Then we have some non, non-Christian guys that are not necessarily hostile to the Jesus story. Josephus. I actually have Josephus' book. He was a Jewish historian, and he wrote in his, in his history, he mentions Jesus by name at least twice in his book called The Antiquities of the Jews. It was a Jewish histor- history book. The Talmud mentions Jesus as a, that's the Jewish uh, traditions, right, their writings, mentions Jesus as a transgressor, as a magician, and that he was hanged on, on Passover Eve. Okay, so the Talmud... The Jewish documents, they, they mention him as well. Um, so both, um, let's see. So the, the writers of the Talmud, now of course they didn't agree that Jesus was God. They just said that he existed. That's basically all. They just wrote about him as being a, a, a real historical person. We also historically, in the, in the, in the uh, antiquities of museums and stuff, we have five other non-Christian historical documents that mention Jesus Christ by name. So, not only do we have the six that I mentioned, but we have five others that I'm not going to mention. So we have 11, at a minimum, 11 documents that are not biblical, that are writing about this man named Jesus, that gives us the truth that we know that he actually does did exist. Then um, there's 12 things about the non-biblical documents confirm about Jesus Christ. So, 12, so the non-biblical documents are saying this. about This is what they say about Jesus. Number one, The first six is that Jesus lived during the time of Tiberius Caesar. 
He lived a virtuous life. He lived. He was a wonder worker. He had a brother named James. He was acclaimed to be the Messiah, and he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. That's what the non-biblical stuff said. But basically, if you read it in the Bible, then you go get over here uh, and you look at this other non-biblical material. So what do you have? You have two witnesses, right? And didn't the Bible say, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established? So we have the Bible. Then you have the text of these other non-biblical uh, writings. Then you have another six over here. He was, it says about Jesus Christ that he was crucified on the Passover. Darkness and an earthquake occurred. Literally, it says in a non-biblical document that the darkness occurred at his crucifixion. That's what the Bible even says. His disciples believed that he rose from the dead. His disciples were willing to die for their belief. Christianity spread rapidly as far as Rome. That's why Pliny was wanting to wanted to crucify the, or kill, the, execute the Christians because they believed that he had risen again. And Christianity was spreading too, too much. And his disciples denied the Roman gods and they worshipped Jesus as God himself. So that's, just, that's pretty cool stuff when I think about it. You know, we, you, you don't have to debate with people anymore about whether or not Jesus really existed because there's a lot of people out there that don't know their facts. Jesus literally lived in history. Just the same as George Washington did. The same as Abraham Lincoln. The same as, uh, who's another, just give me somebody that lived 200 years ago or 1,000, anybody know? Thomas Jefferson, what about 1,000 years ago? I can't think of anybody that lived 1,000 years ago right now. Can you? Why can't I think of a name of somebody that lived 1,000 years ago? Yeah, Galileo. It was 1600s. Yeah, I mean, so that gets us back there even further. I mean, okay, so all of those guys, these were real people. Jesus was a real guy. He, he literally lived. The Bible itself also serves as, as evidence, uh, which, you know, some people like to say, well, you can't use the Bible as evidence. Well, why not? You use any other historical book as evidence. Why can't I use the Bible as evidence? Okay, so what does the Bible say? Um, there's two arguments or two challenges for the historical Jesus uh, um, and, and the New Testament. Number one, do we have an accurate copy? How many of you believe that we actually have an accurate copy of your Bible? So if you were to pick up this Bible and say that every word of God, every word is true, I mean, how many of you believe that? A couple? It's a good question, right? Well, should I really believe it? Maybe it's right, maybe it's wrong. How do I know? I mean, it's just a bunch of... Isn't it just, what do people say, not before I say it, what do people say about the Bible? What do your non-believing friends say about the Bible? You guys talk to your non-believing friends about the Bible? Yeah, so you don't have any friends? <laughs> you don't have okay. Well, that's fair. That's fair. Anybody got any non-believing friends that talk about the Bible? What do they say? Okay, so they and then it was copied, and there was errors made when they copied it, and you know they put their own their own thoughts in it, and all that kind of stuff. Okay, yeah, that's fine. Okay, so here's the thing: How do you know that we have the the, the what we have is really the Bible? How do we know? I mean, this guy, what do you, you get up here every Sunday morning and preach out of the Bible, right? How do you know what he's saying is even real? How do you know? Historic evidence through all the churches. Right. Yeah, let me just, let's go down to the list, because that's exactly right. Historical evidence. So, we, now we don't have the original, original, right? The, you know, like Paul, the Apostle Paul, when he took a pen and started scratching it out on parchment, 
We don't have that, but we have the copies of it. Okay? You know how many copies we have? Like five, ten, fifteen? What do you think? We have 5,300 handwritten Greek manuscripts. 5,300 copies. Now, not, not the entire book. Not every copy is an entire book, but every copy is at least a portion of it. Old Testament and New Testament. Yeah. So, so we have 53... Well, it says Greek, so that would be New Testament, because the Old Testament is written in Hebrew. So we have 5,300 handwritten manuscripts, which would be copies of it, right? I mean, that's pretty old stuff when you get right down to it. We have also 9,000 copies of the Bible in other languages. So I'm just talking Greek, and then I'm talking about everything else. So that's like what? Who can do math? 14,300 copies, or pieces, or fragments of copies of the Bible. That's that's a lot. Some of these manuscripts are complete Bibles, and some of them are just pages, and some of them are just parts of pages. You guys have ever heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls? Anybody? Who? Okay, the Dead. You know, you know what the Dead Sea is? What is that? Yeah, because it's pretty salty, right? It's the saltiest place, saltiest body of water on the earth, and no, no, no fish can live in it. In fact, you put a boat in it, and it'll start to crystallize. The salt will crystallize on the bottom really fast. You go swimming in it, you better take a shower real fast, because you'll turn to salt. It's really, really salty. What's that? Will you sink? I thought you would float. Wow, okay, so that's not good. Okay, so the Dead Sea Scrolls. So they found a cave back in 1947. Some little shepherd boy chasing a sheep found a cave, and inside the cave the Corum uh, Scrolls were found. It was in an area called Corum. And in the Corum's caves he found, preserved almost perfectly, hundreds of copies of the Old Testament. And when they unrolled them all and read them, in Hebrew, and compared them to the text of your Bible, they were almost exactly word for word. And they were found there. They had been put in that, in that cave a hundred years before Jesus Christ was born. They estimate, anyway, that it was approximately 100 BC, 100 B.C. They were put in that cave for safekeeping, and then they were found in 1947, called the Dead Sea Scrolls. They brought them to Kansas City about five years ago. It's pretty cool to see. Okay, so here's the thing. Um, the Gospels and the Epistles were completed by the end of the first century. That would be, you know, like 100 A.D. Uh, and they were accepted as authentic by the close of the second century. By the end of 200 A.D., they, you know, the church, the members of the church, believed that the Bible, what they were coming together as calling the Bible, was authentic. And it was a common fact that these books had been quoted, listed, cataloged, harmonized, and cited by an authority of different writers, Christian and pagan, all the way back to the time of the apostles. So we know that they're true. We have that accurate thing. The New Testament has even more documentation than, the other, than any other historical writing. How many of you heard of Homer's Iliad or Homer? anything about Homer? A couple of people. A little bit. Okay, I'm not asking if you read it, just if you ever heard of Homer. Right, Homer's Odyssey, Homer's Iliad. Okay, so we got 14,300 copies or portions of copies of the Bible. You know how many copies of Homer's Iliad exist? 600, uh, 643 copies. 
More copies of the Bible have been produced of any other writing any other time in history. There have been more copies of the Bible ever produced of any other book. Um, uh, uh, what goes in your blank there was the writings of the Apostolic Fathers. That was the next blank after the 9,000. Um, so Homer's Iliad is the most famous of the Greek um, writings um, non-biblical writings. There's only 643 copies in existence. Julius Caesar's Gallic Wars is a, is a book. Only has 10 copies. How many believe in Julius Caesar? You know the you know Julius Caesar, Emperor of Rome. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if we all believe in him, and there's only 10 copies of the book that described him. Why don't we accept what's said about the Bible when there's 15,000 copies of the Bible? Okay, so we got. Uh, so what, this is what we conclude. This is the first thing: Is Jesus real? Right. We're asking three questions: Is Jesus real? Did He resurrect? And is He God? So we conclude that Jesus is both real and a historical person. He's not a myth that can be discounted, like the Roman and the Greek story gods. Not only is He historical, He is also presently present. Anybody say that again? He's presently present. He's historical. What do I mean by presently present? He's alive. Uh, yes, he's alive. He's here today. Where is he at right now? Where is Jesus at? In us? In heaven? All over? Because he's God. He's presently. So historically he was there. Presently he's here. He's everywhere. He's always will be. Okay, so um, Paul wrote in Acts, or he said in Acts chapter 26, verse 26, he's talking to King Agrippa, and he's talking to him about the very thing that I'm talking to you about right now. And he says, For the king knows of these things, before whom I also speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him, for this thing was not done in a corner. He's telling the king, King, come on, you know this is true. You know this is true. Why don't you just accept it and believe it? And a lot of your friends, the reason that they don't want to believe is because they've been convinced by other people and they need you to tell them that this is true. Okay? They need you to tell them. They need you to tell them. They need somebody to tell them that the story of Jesus Christ is real. And Jesus was real. And He was historic. And if we would just tell people and keep telling people and never back down and tell them, check your facts, check your facts. Let me show you the facts. If we would just do that, more and more people would believe in Jesus Christ because the world is making a mockery of Jesus and nobody wants to be made a mockery of, right? I mean, if you're not really confident in your belief, you're kind of like, well, I'm just going to go with the flow. I'm just going to kind of hang out with all of the, the dropouts. I'm going to, I'm going to just going to go along with so I can get along with. But what they need is somebody like you to say, look, look, friend, Jesus is real and He loves you and He cares about you. He's real. All right? We got to know that He is real. That's the first thing that we got to know. If Christ is, if Christ is not a myth, then we get to answer the next question. And is, did He resurrect? Okay, so, we're all real people, right? Everybody in this room is real. If Jesus Christ doesn't return anytime soon, what's going to happen to us all? We're going to die. Okay. But what Jesus... Okay, so now, if Jesus was a real person, then it probably, because it was 2,000 years ago, He probably died sometime in the past, right? 
I mean, just a natural death. I mean, it could have been if he was just a dude, right? He could have just naturally died. But he wasn't. He was a guy that resurrected. And that is the most important truth of the Bible, is that he resurrected. Okay? So we're going to talk about that. The gospel or the good news essentially means that Jesus Christ resurrected. Every sermon preached by the Christians in the New Testament centers on the resurrection. And it ought to center on the resur- on your life as well. The message... The rain has come. Yeah. The message that flashed across the ancient world, the message that set hearts on fire, changed lives, and turned the world upside down, was not love your neighbor. I know that's a great message, and we should all love our neighbor, right? That's a, that's a powerful biblical concept. But that's not what changed people's lives. You know what? I could tell you all day long, I love you, I love you, I love you. But that doesn't change things. What changes your heart is Jesus Christ. The good news is that Jesus Christ resurrected. That's the good news. That's the important thing. If we would get that, we could make a difference in the world. You can love people, but they're still going to hell. Because Jesus is real, and Jesus did resurrect. Christianity stands or falls on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Right? If Jesus was not raised from the dead, then Jesus is a liar. Right? Because that's what he promised, that he was going to resurrect. He said, you know, uh, destroy this temple and I will rebuild it in how many days? Three days. Okay? That's why, you remember, anytime you see the number three in the Bible, that's an important number. Okay? Anytime you see the number seven in the Bible, that's an important number. Okay? So just keep those two. There's a lot of other numbers that are important, but you can hang on to those two. Three and seven. Uh, that's why, you know, well, I don't want to say it. <laughs> okay. So, if, if all of his disciples and the Apostle Paul and your pastor are liars, uh, almost, let me rephrase that. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, then all the disciples, all the apostles, all the Bibles, and your pastor and me were all liars too. That's that's the significance of Jesus Christ's resurrection. The one way to end Christianity at all for, forever. This is how the the non-believer, the atheist, the the the, the agnostic, the people that are antagonistic to Christianity. This is how they can destroy Christianity. Anybody got an idea? Come on, just give me an idea. How could you, if you were like the, um, what was that? Uh, I, the, anyway, I can't remember. Let's say you want to be the most evil guy in the world and you want to destroy Christianity. How would you do it? Anybody got an idea? Well, if I was the most evil person in the world, then I would obviously take out all the Christians. That won't stop it. Burn all the Bibles. That won't stop it. Well, obviously stop. Oh, yeah, you can stop it. You actually can stop. Look, we'll finish on this. Here, look over uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to end here because this is a good time to come to a almost... We've got a couple more minutes here, but we'll go to 1 Corinthians 15. Okay, 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 1. This is what it says. See, Paul wrote this letter to Corinth. 
describing what the gospel is and what it means for us if the gospel is false. Okay, in this whole chapter, that's what he's dealing with. In verse 1, he says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. And then in verses 3 and 4, he lays out the gospel. I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That's the gospel message right there, right? Jesus Christ died, and He buried, He was buried, and He rose again. Really, there's only two parts that are the, the primary important part, because it says according to the Scriptures. He died prophetically. He was he was going to die, and prophetically, he was going to rise again. He was going to resurrect. Okay, so the question is still on the table here. How do we destroy Christianity? We can't destroy all the Bibles. That's been attempted before. We can't try to murder all the Christians. That's been attempted before. How do we stop this massive march of all these people to Christianity? Look at verse 13. Paul says this, starting in verse 13. But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is vain, and your faith is vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God, that He raised up Christ, whom He raised not up. If so, be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, you are yet in your sins. Then they which also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all men most we are of all men most miserable. But do you see what he said there in verse thirteen? If the resurrection doesn't isn't true, then Christianity is a lie. Paul, the apostle Paul, gave the weapon of destruction of Christianity, he gave it in the Bible. He said, Look, all you have to do is destroy the truth of the resurrection, and there is no Christianity. Isn't that a powerful thing? That God would give the tool to destroy the resurrection? To destroy Christianity? He said, this is how you do it. Okay, so this is what would have to happen. This is what would have to happen. So I'm going to answer my question now. How would we stop Christianity? Produce the body of Jesus. Produce the body of Jesus. How many times have you watched some show on TV, a cop show, murder mystery show or whatever, and they've got to go exhume the body, right? They've got to go to the grave. They've got to dig up the body and re-examine it. They'll take the body and do some sort of DNA testing on it, right? They, you, you've seen that, right? Okay, so if Jesus was real and he died, and now all these people are running around saying that Jesus resurrected, why don't, we, why don't, the, why don't the Jewish authorities or the Roman authorities just go to the cemetery, crack open the grave, Dig him out and do an autopsy. Why don't they do that? Anybody know why they don't do that? Because he's resurrected. Right? He's not there. He wasn't there. Okay, so we're going to examine the challenges to the resurrection next week. Because there's eight challenges to the resurrection that people say, he didn't really resurrect. This is why he didn't really resurrect. And we're going to go through all that. So... Blow your friends' minds. This is how you can destroy Christianity. Oh, so you don't believe in God? Jesus Christ? Okay, well here, go get His body and then I will stop believing in Him too. They can't find the body. There is no body. 
There is no body because the body is in heaven. This is a powerful statement right here. I mean, I, I don't even know how, how, I don't know how much more to make it clear. Look at verse 20 and we'll finish up. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruit of them that slept. So, Paul says, in this chapter, he says, okay, here's the gospel. Jesus did rise. But oh, by the way, if he didn't rise, then we're all a bunch of liars. Paul, that's what he said, right? He said, our faith is in vain. How did he say that? Um, uh, our preaching is in vain. Your faith is vain. We are false witnesses of God. You know what a false witness is. That's a liar. Okay, so that's the answer. This is So all the stuff that we talked about at the beginning, cause and creation and design and evolution and monkeys and bones and all of that stuff, all of that's a smokescreen because what they really want to destroy is the resurrection. So you and I, we can argue people blue in the face. Well, okay, so that fossil might look like a transitionary animal. Who cares? Big deal. Jesus still resurrected. Okay, so light speed is 186,000 miles per second sometimes. Big deal. Jesus Christ still resurrected. See? This is the thing they're trying to they're trying to get you off balance because if you start disbelieving in the creation, then you might start disbelieving in the resurrection. Jesus resurrected. So just tell your friends when you get into a conversation with them, check your facts. Check your facts. The facts are Jesus was real. Jesus died like every other human being, but he resurrected like God because he is God. And that's the, that's the last thing that we'll talk about next week as well. So we'll pick up here next week. Um, I still have a whole bunch of material to go through. So we'll try to consolidate it, get it done. Any questions on that? Okay, so, all right, well, let's pray, and then we'll be done. Father in heaven, Lord, we do thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for the reality of the resurrection. We don't have to be apologetic about that. This is apologetics, but we're not sorry that you died for us, and that you were buried for us, and that you rose again for us, so that we might have newness of life uh, through your son, Jesus Christ. We praise you for it. We ask you just to give us a... Safe passage home tonight. Help us sleep contently knowing that you are on the throne of our life. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.